welcome to the Business Success Club. I want to say welcome, and you are in for a treat in this group. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. And on this podcast, what we really want to establish is this. How do hardworking entrepreneurs build profitable and scalable businesses whilst having the freedom and balance to do the other things they love? like family, vacations, sports, fun, adventures, and charity. So let's tune into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business Success Show with me, the business coach, Mac Atram. And today you are in for a treat because I have someone slightly different than we usually have. The reason why I've asked him to come onto this show, you'll find out very, very, very soon why that is. He's had many titles from performance coach to leader to pastor to CEO. He's at it. He's at it all. Director of operations. And his name is Yanni Gratinopoulos. And it's a pleasure to have you, Yanni, here all the way from uh, Boise, Idaho, all the way from Boise, Idaho. Hey, Yanni, how are you doing? Mac, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I could not be more excited to be on. Fantastic. Thank you. Let me give the people a little bit of background on you. You're an award-winning Fortune 200 trainer and business coach. Um, what you won't know about Yanni, he's had more than 10,000 hours of consulting and training and coaching with both non-for-profit as well as the business world. So for those of you listening in and say, oh, Mac, but I don't run a business, I run a non-for-profit, you'll see that they're very similar. And no other better person can do it than Yanni. So that's why I've asked him onto here so we can see that the same leadership quality, same people issues come up regardless of what type of organization it is. Now, Yanni has led multiple non-for-profits and businesses. His leadership roles have spanned from startups to churches to 14, Fortune 200 businesses. He's had all the titles you can name, president, owner, senior pastor, director of operations, as I said, coordinator, performance coach, and many, many more. He's an expert in, um, he's got a degree in church leadership, as well as a minor in psychology. So we are in for a treat. <laughs> On that note, tell us a little bit about your journey uh, and what led you to all the various titles you've had and all the various organizations that you've worked with, Yanni. Mac, you know, it's it's really interesting because journey is such a good word uh, for what we're all on, right? And I I did not at all set out to get where I'm at. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And so I actually, uh, early on in my career, I was traveling uh, the Western United States as a preacher and keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. And I would have these leaders come up to me and say, hey, okay, so I heard you talking. How do I implement this? Or, or how do I do that? Or I'm struggling with this. And there were a, couple, a number of reasons why they uh, kind of came to me. And we can go down that rabbit hole if you want. But uh, it, back in those days, we didn't even call it coaching. Coaching wasn't a thing. Right. We just said, I'm just helping these leaders. And so I started these ongoing relationships and, and, and really started to, to help these leaders. When I got into the business world, I, I, you know, I was sometimes a nonprofit doesn't pay very well. I had to pay the bills. So I, I just started selling, just hustling insurance. Okay. And, and I believe through divine providence before I knew it, um, I was training and coaching as a, a state training coordinator. And part of that was 
they had found out what I, what I used to do. And they thought, Oh, you'd be a perfect fit. And it really was. And that took off, right? Because now it's hardcore into business and sales, um, helping these leaders to, to run their businesses, to grow their businesses, to scale their businesses. Um, uh, And, and again, won some awards there, moved into more of a, of a coach role, won some awards there. And, and just throughout the progression uh, coaching has kind of found me uh, <laughs> to the point where uh, I was once COVID hit, um, I was picked up by a, a just business and sales coaching company. That that's just what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you mentioned, started as a coach, performance coach, moved to director of operations uh, after being the head of the coaches. Always coaching our key clients. Again, coaching, finding me. And I think part of the main reason why, if I can give the overarching concept, is I've always been the person who has taken a step back and go, okay, wait, why? And that's a really, that's a really key piece, right? And look, for a lot of your listeners, they're head down. I got to do this. I got to fix this. I've got to make this happen by the end of the week or the end of the month, or the end of the quarter, end of the year. And, and not everybody just carves out the time to go, okay, hold on, why, right? And so I've always had this concept of scale. How do we get to scale? How do we do scale? And so in asking why, I, I started to find those answers. Mm-hmm. And they were the answers that other business leaders were like, oh, great. I can bypass my own questions and just, yeah, help me with that because I, I, I just don't have the time. Oh, wow. 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 What a, what a journey. Then tell me Here something. <laughs> what are some of the mistakes you see leaders making constantly, uh, constantly? Because obviously I haven't, you know, if you've spent over 10,000 hours in training and coaching, you'll be seeing a pattern repeatedly. So what are some of those mistakes? Such a good question. And I, I have to say, not enough people ask that question, by the way. Mm. Um, I'll give you the top two, the, by far the top two, and we can go down to the three and four, but the top two are almost always number one, they, they don't actually know where they're going. So, so this concept of, of vision, um, they don't know where they're going or if they know where they're going, they make the mistake thinking because they know everybody else around them knows. Um, and there's been some really interesting studies actually testing uh, at the big level, CEO, high uh, fortune 200, fortune 500 level, the CEO knows where the CEO wants to go. And then they start testing the rings of leadership around that person and, and the detachment that those people have, the, the abject misunderstanding that those people have. There really is an art to building a vision, casting a vision, implementing a vision, keeping it before you. The other big mistake is the power of no. Um, most people, uh, especially I'll say, and, and I know you're like beyond global here with this show, in Western co- culture um, has developed this almost <gasps> around the word no. Um, and Mac, when, when you don't understand the power of no, you weaken your yes. And think of it, if you think about in financial terms, 
whether it's the dollar, the pound, the euro, the yen, uh, whatever the currency is, you want a strong currency. Yeah. Right. And, and if you have a strong currency, then, then the money that you're making in your business will actually have more purchasing power. The word no is the same thing. If you deflate your use of the word no, it will give your yes less purchasing power. Here's what I mean by that. I see these leaders all the time that say, hey, I just, I just need five minutes. It's never five minutes. You know it's never five minutes. They know it's never five minutes. And you didn't allot that on your, on your time and your calendar. By the way, if you're not understanding as a leader, that and listen to how we say it in the English language, we spend money, we budget money, Every business does this. Every business has a budget. Every business spends money. Every business spends time. We, we talk about how did you spend your time? But we don't budget time. Right, right. That's part of the power of no. And so understanding that you have to say no to the things that aren't priority, which, by the way, if you don't have vision, well, you don't say there's no say. clarity, right? Yeah, yeah then and these are the two bit and, and you start getting that tornado spinning mm -hmm. and you have leaders who go i'm a slave to my own business i'm a slave yeah. to my nonprofit. And it doesn't matter nonprofit business it doesn't matter same problems so I, I love that what you're saying is without the vision there is no clarity of direction with no clarity of direction you may say yes well any road will get you to nowhere anyway but you may say <laughs> yes to some things that are not helping where you want to go uh, but with that clarity you know what to say no to that puts you in a place of more power i love the way you describe that i love the way you describe that so um yeah go ahead you're going to say something uh, no yeah and i was just going to add i love the way that you brought that back to the concept of power again western culture power has that that concept we a lot of times we think power hungry or power monger but the fact of the, of the matter is like right now we all have electricity and, and we dub that, we call that power, right? And, and we use that to power our vehicles and power the recordings and power our phones. Power is, an, is a tool. It's like a shovel. Yeah. And as a leader, the best thing, all of these things, budgeting and finances and time and vision they are all the vehicles of how to properly use power to move your organization and its people and its families and its communities and its societies in the direction that it needs to go. It is absolutely about the, the push of power to be used as the correct tool. Thank you for that. Really, really, really well put. Now, Yanni, the, um, when a leader sees that things are not going the way they envision it and things are falling apart maybe the team are not really operating the way that person would like the um the the culture is all wrong what can that leader start to do apart obviously we mentioned vision but apart from that what else can they do to start actually getting the if, if that leader is the ship of the captain is the, is the captain of the ship right <laughs> And there's people on, on this side of the ship and that and they're all doing different things and we're not going to the destination and things are not working out. What can they start doing? Okay. That again, Mac, you asked some really good questions, by the way. I, I just want to encourage your listeners. 
sometimes, and, and actually this is part of the answer. Sometimes you have to stop and ask yourself, am I asking the right questions? Right. Right. Mac, you're directing the flow of this conversation, the direction, the vision of this conversation mm-hmm. by the great questions you're asking. Thank you. And, and I started this whole thing by saying a lot of times leaders just aren't asking the right questions. Leaders, put yourself, though, in the shoes of the people who work with you and for you and ask yourself this question. If you pose that same question that Mac asked to me, if you posed it to them, what's the answer you want them to give you? And we all know it right now, don't we? Mm-hmm. You want them to come to you and say, I'm struggling. Yeah. Can you help me? Are you going to fire that person? No, you hired them for a reason. Right. You want to dive in and help them. But all of a sudden, we as leaders, when it's on us, we go, oh, now look, sometimes you might be in an environment where you can't ask and you don't have that leader above you. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But look, you, you have to know when to ask for help. And, and what do we do with this phone here, right? This, this device, right. we have a GPS, we have a navigation system. Hmm. Now, some of us don't turn it on. We know the way. And then when we meant to head down to the to a restaurant and we ended up in farm country, then we go, okay, maybe we need to turn this on. <laughs> what is that GPS though? It's help. Yeah. We're literally saying, okay, Siri or whatever, I need your help. I need your help. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to know when to ask for help. And that's where folks like Mac and myself come into the ball game of this is what we do, right? We help leaders navigate. And you might say, well, why do you know and I don't? You know, for some of the leaders, (laughs) the fact of the matter is, if your job was focused on what we're doing, you probably would know. Sometimes you just can't see the forest from the trees because you're right in the middle of all of it. Yeah. And sometimes it's the fact that we talked about journey. Mac and I have a journey that's a little bit different than yours. We've asked questions that are maybe a little bit different. And, mm. and that's okay, right? The world needs you, the world needs us, and, and, and just understand that fact. So the first thing is asking the right questions. Second thing is, is seeking that help. The third thing, and you mentioned culture, and I want to specifically touch on that. Here's one thing that, I mean, we could, we could do a whole thing on culture, but, but just the quick and dirty on, on a practical tip, understand that your people are people. Mm, human beings people. they're human beings you can give them the title of controller and comptroller and janitor and customer service rep and bdr and whatever other title you give them at the end of the at the end of the day they're humans hmm. and and what do humans want they want to be respected they want to be seen they want to be appreciated they they want to be um told that they're doing a good job and and they want to be connected So again, start that, take those five things, those five simple things and ask yourself, where's my company doing this? Well, right. You do that. You're on the right track to fixing culture. Wow. 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 On the same note, I love the way you put that word, by the way, on the same note, have you ever had to deal with an organization that when you went in, it was so, how can I put it near toxic or toxic, or it's just, you know, the backbiting, the gossiping, the backstabbing, the 
lateness, when things are just, you think, oh, I don't really want to be in this organization. I don't know what it is, but you know, someone turns up and it, they just want to leave. Have you ever had to help a leader to fix that type of situation? I have. And, and I'm going to tell you why that's one of the most difficult because culture is the precursor to healthy change. Mm. So leaders sit with that for a moment, right? If, if you're trying to institute change, you, you've got the GPS on and, and it's not working. Culture is often the culprit. Culture is the precursor to healthy change. Here's the problem. The leader creates the culture. Right. Good point. Mm. So, so you either created it because this is kind of who you are. I have, I can't tell you how many times I look at a leader and I've met their organization or I meet their organization and I've met the leader, right? right? Because you will attract people like you who have your same character, who have your same moral set and values. And frankly, if you don't like who you are in the mirror, it's probably why you've created the organization that you've created, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be a mirror of yourself or come full circle to the power of no. You didn't say no. You kind of step back and you know what, Let, let's let culture be what it's going to be. It's never that way in a leadership vacuum, someone stepped up right. Now you might've gotten lucky and the second in charge created fabulous culture for you. You need to give them a giant raise and never let them leave or whoever created the culture created a mess. Mac, interesting story. I go back to high school Okay. Uh, I, I almost always talk about culture in terms of high school because it's like a petri dish. Mm. So I, I literally watched this happen. I were, watched a group of teenagers and they were mostly um, lack of secondary school. So kind of young, maybe, you know, 10, 11, 12 right. uh, to maybe 13, 14. Right. So kind of that middle age. And they all they had a culture. They had a fit. They had a feel. And there was one high school kid. She was 16. She had her license and could drive her car and they're driving them around and, and they kind of followed her. She just didn't realize they all followed her. Mm. They listened to the kind of music she listened to. They, they did the kind, they dressed the way that she did. And she got a new best friend who dressed differently, talked differently, walked differently, listened to different music. And that best friend was a, a wonderful young lady, just very different. Okay. The high school student started to matriculate over to being like the new best friend. And within six months, the entire group had all matriculated over. They wow. had followed the leader. The, their dress changed, their language changed, their music changed, their habits changed, some for the better, some for the worse. Right. I watched it happen. Culture rises and falls on leadership and what makes dealing with a toxic culture the most difficult is you have to have a leader who's willing to say, I am wholeheartedly responsible for this. Right. So leader, if you have found yourself going, oh my gosh, I don't even want to show up to work because of these people. Turn to the mirror. <laughs> and have an intervention. Hi, my name is Yanni Grazinopoulos, and I created this disaster of culture. Wow, wow. And, and, and from there, that honesty, looking in the mirror says, okay, now 
I need help. Where's my GPS? Let me call Yanni. Yanni, yeah. get in here. Yanni, come and help me yes. sort this thing out, right? Yes, yes. That, you're, you're exactly correct. Absolutely. That's it. Now, you see, one of the things that I've come across many times is um, the, 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 the founder starts the organization, whether it's non-for-profit or business, and sooner or later realizes they either a very good manager, but not a, not a good leader, or a good leader, but everything's falling apart because they're not a very good manager. What's the difference between leader and manager, and why are both important, if you like? Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic question. Again, Mac, it, it is a talent. And, and, and I, I actually want to reiterate that to say, look, if, if for your audience, they're probably, they probably watch this show because mm -hmm. they've said the same thing I do. Man, Mac asks great questions. Thank you. <laughs> find, you have to find a coach who, who's being coached and who asks great questions. That's really what sets us and not, and, and Mac, you, you said difference between leader and manager. It's part of what makes a coach different, right? A coach is somebody who is usually a jack of all trades, maybe a master of none, maybe a master of all, but asks the right questions and carves out that time. Okay. So what's the difference between them all? Think of airlines. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is the way that I think about it, right? Think of airlines. A leader is sitting in the cockpit. They're flying the plane. Got it. Right? And, and what do we want that, that, that pilot to do? We want that pilot to know the destination, uh -huh. to know how to navigate, to read the gauges, to see the dangers coming. I'm looking at the radar. I, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to go. We're, we're going to get turbulence. I'm going to go up 5,000 more feet um, to understand when they need the GPS, right? And to pull off the autopilot, they're, they're driving the plane. Right. And they've got a couple other leaders in the cockpit driving the plane with them. You don't want to be a part of an organization that unless maybe it's a startup that only has, there's a reason why there's always two pilots in the cockpit. A manager is, is, is the server okay. in, in the fuselage, right. right? So that person, now we think of the servers, we think of the flight attendants, mm -hmm. we, we think of them as, as somebody at a restaurant. But what's interesting in, in most countries, they have a lot of authority on that plane. Mm. It's almost never the pilot that throws somebody off the plane. It's the flight attendant. Think about that for a moment. It's the flight. The CEO is not firing people most of the time. Right. It's the managers that are throwing people off the plane. Who's the one who checks to make sure that you get on the plane? It's the managers. Right. The flight attendant is going through the manifest. The mm. flight attendant will come out and take it. The flight attendant has a ton of power and their job is to manage the happiness and the well-being of the people on the plane. Mm -hmm. Right now, you actually have a flight attendant who leads every plane, whether there's two people who are flight attendants, sometimes there's literally like 15, 20, there's one person who runs all the flight attendants, right? And that's what we call middle management. Okay. And that is a very 
difficult position. Wow. Wow. Why? Because they have to manage all the managers who manage all the people, whether it's your customers or your uh, church staff or your membership or, or your volunteer help or your donors or your whatever it is. Yeah. But then they're the person who goes and talks to the cockpit. The cockpit does not want to hear from 10 flight attendants, one. And so that information, and, and, and here's what's interesting. That person is really responsible for how good that flight is. Mm. I mean, if, if we distill this down, yeah. leader, put yourself on a, on a flight. You don't blame that flight, that head flight attendant. If you have a horrible experience, the first time you go, all right, I'll chalk that up to weird. Three or four times you go, I'm not flying that airline again. We blame the airline. Mm. We blame the airline for the culture of the middle management flight attendant. And yet, if you run the airlines, you're the CEO of the airline. How are you making sure that you have the right middle management flight attendants? Right, right. Well put. You know, the analogy of the airline I think that is so beautifully put. That is, um, that I think everyone gets that. So fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, Yanni. Um, Yanni, how does, um, how can I put it? As a leader, as sometimes things are not going right and they, they may be treading that wheel, keep going, but how do they know if they, what signs are there to show them that they're probably heading for burnout? That, hey, if you continue the way you're going, Things are not getting, they're not improving. It's actually going to get worse. How do they see the signs of burnout and what can they do about it? So here's what's interesting about that question. There, there's really two questions built into that, right? There's burnout yeah. and then there's performance. And for most businesses, whether it's for-profit or nonprofit, performance almost always comes down to finances. Mm. Now, a lot of your audience is, is kind of puckering. They're going, okay, he's going to tell me it shouldn't be finances. And I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> what I'm going to tell you is it shouldn't only be finances. And here's why. Finances are going to tell you how you're doing today. Finances are a horrible precursor mm. to what finances will be in the future. True. Right? So uh, I believe it was the Covey Institute wrote a book called The uh, Four Disciplines of Execution. Okay. And in that book, they talk about the difference between lead metrics and lag metrics. Okay. And finances are a fabulous lag metric, probably the biggest lag metric, right? A lead metric tells you, this is where your organization is going. This is where it'll be in three to four months. The problem is finances, we treat them like a lead metric. They're not, they're a lag metric. Mm. Right. So let's take a look at some things and then we'll get to burnout. Number one, your staff turnover. Higher turnover. Now you, you might be in a high turnover industry, but every industry has a turnover percentage. Yeah. Where are you in the median? If you're right in the middle, you're going to struggle. If, if you have a low turnover for your industry, that's a lead indicator. You're going to do well. Why? Because turnover kills culture every time. 
Every time somebody walks out the door, everybody else goes, am I next? Even if they left, even if they left, because they know Bob, Bob was a great person. Bob was a smart person. I used to go to Bob for advice. They don't think I get to have Bob's job now. They think, whoa, why would someone stable like Bob leave? Was he not getting paid enough money? Maybe there's greener pastures on the other side of the fence. Hey, maybe Bob got fired and they're not saying culture, turnover kills culture. Right, right. And by the way, as much as you try and write out all your systems and put them in your online database that nobody reads and your volumes and volumes and volumes of written material that no one cares about, guess what they do? They go to Bob, Mm. who's been there for 15 years. Tribal knowledge has never, it it is a human way. Am I saying don't have all those things? I'm not saying that at all. You have to have all those things because sometimes you need to correct Bob. Yeah. But, but. You, you so culture is or turnover is one of those metrics chatter is another metric okay. i know th- this yeah. sounds crazy do your employees know when each other's birthday is mm-hmm. at the cubicles do you see balloons mm-hmm. are they connected and sharing life yanni this sounds a lot like culture yeah but but this is one of the ways to measure culture is there chatter Right. If there's no chatter and you hired a bunch of drones, your company's in trouble. Absolutely. Look at COVID and look at what happened after COVID. Yeah. Right? People went, I don't need this. <laughs> I've been putting up with this for all these years. And, and, and a lot of the workforce said, I will go somewhere where I feel appreciated. Yeah. Right? And then I, this is when you talk about measuring a lead metric. This is, this is really, really interesting from a sales perspective. Look at your uh, close ratio, which we all do, mm-hmm. but look at the top of your funnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Look at the top of your funnel. How many, how big is your CRM database? Yeah. And, and how much does it grow each month? Because what a lot of companies have is they'll go through this big push where their database grows really big. By the way, if you're not doing something with your database, if you're not driving marketing and content marketing, you're, you're, you're missing out on your greatest asset. But if your database isn't growing, your business is going to be in trouble in a year. Got it. Yeah. So let's talk burnout. Burnout happens when you start to lose control of the power that you are supposed to have. Mm. Think about every movie you've ever seen. Think about every conversation you've had with a kid. What do you want to do when you grow up? So I have a kiddo um, and, and Mac, I was saying earlier, I love your British accent. My, my, (laughs) we, we watch Peppa Pig, um, which is, an incredible uh, British TV show uh, for children. Uh, It's translated in like 50 different languages, something like that. Um, And when one of the adult characters, and it's a theme through the show, they ask the children, what do you want to do? What do you want to do when you grow up? Oh, I want to do this. Oh, that's a great profession. Why? Because I want to tell people what to do. And that's their answer all the time. They just, they want to tell people what to do. And we, even as children, we, we want to make an impact. We want to have power, right? Mm -hmm. None of those kids say, I want to be told what to do. 
None of those kids say, I don't want to make a difference. None of those kids say, I want to show up and, and have life run me. Right. You, the lead metric to burnout is when you, when you look at your calendar or your day and it's out of control. How many times a week are you hearing yourself say, what did I get? I worked my tail off. What did I get done today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is if you're a for-profit, nonprofit, if you're a leader or not a leader, you're on the path to burnout if you can't remember what you did th- that day, but you feel tired. Yeah. People who don't get burnout are the people who get excited about the wins of every day. Mm-hmm. If you stop that, you are you you have started the road to burnout. Wow, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Love that. Excellent. Listen, it's been great, great speaking with you. For those people who want to be better leaders and they want to interact with you, catch up with you, where how, what's the best way for those people to connect with you, our audience to connect with you? What's the best way? You know, I I I really respond fastest to carrier pigeons. You know, if you just, okay. no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so uh, the the best way you can find all my contact information on our website, it's grotsllc.com, G-R-A-T-S-L-L-C.com. Right. Um, and when you go there, you will notice that it is built primarily for the nonprofit side. Um, if you're a for-profit leader, that's fine because there's plenty there for you. We have an entire free training section um, that has a lot of these teachings, uh, both in video and written, um, there's, and then again, there's the kind of more about me and, and our organization, what we do, um, and, and then my contact information and my emails there, Yanni, that weird name you see at the bottom of the screen (laughs) at grotzllc.com, um, would love to hear if nothing else, just feedback testimonials. Uh, I would love to hear, Hey, I'm a a listener of Mac show and man, what you said here was really incredible. Thank you. That why? Because that helps me avoid burnout. Those are my little wins. I eat the food that I serve. That's amazing. That gives you strength. That note that tells you you're on mission and you are making a difference. A man after my own heart. I think exactly the same. So I want to say thank you. Listen, Business Success Show, you've been listening to Yanni Grasinopoulos, and he is just amazing. Teaching people about leadership, performance, getting better, uh, teamed, getting better to team performance, and having a better work culture and improving your not-for-profit business, not-for-profit company rather, and your profit business as well. Reach out to him, and he's giving you the website address. We will put it on here as well. Check him out. Grats, uh, sorry, I, was, I said grats. I was thinking of your, I was thinking of your website. I love it. You're already going there. That's great. <laughs> Yadi, any last words you want to say before we finish off just now? One last thing. Yeah. For every listener there, there, there's if you've been listening, there's no way that you didn't get some nugget, mm-hmm. and and that's probably why you listen to Mac's show. I, I can tell just by his questions, every show gets a nugget or two uh-huh. or ten. The worst thing you can do is finish listening to this and do nothing with it. And by the way, you have 72 hours. It's the rule of 72. You're really 24, but for some of you, 72. Whatever your nugget was, commit 
to doing something, an action, an activity, whether how big or how small. Otherwise, as great as this was, you just wasted your time. Oh, awesome, 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 awesome commitment made right there. I'll say, Yanni, thank you again. Uh, all our listeners here, give us a follow, give us a thumbs up, tell us what you liked, uh, share something in, in the chat box, that would be great. Subscribe, follow, and let's bring you some more awesome, awesome guests, just like Yanni Grasinopoulos here. Thank you, Yanni, and I'll catch up with you very, very soon. Bye, Bye Mac. Take care. Cheers.